So today, it is a blessing to be here at church in Locust Grove. Amen. So uh, the past couple of weeks, I was away at training in Kentucky, right? And uh, it's different up there. <laughs> it's the South, but it's, 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 it's different. And um, my desire to worship was there, but the opportunity and availability was not. Right? So, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm there in training, but on Sundays, we'll get out of class around 12 o'clock, right? Or sometimes 11. So I think in my head, I got time to catch a second service. I got time to catch an evening worship, right? No. They don't have evening worship or second service up there, right? And the reason being is because of COVID, right? Oh, that's the excuse that they use. Uh, I was offered to go to church on, on or worship on, on post. They say, Sir Thomas, you got the opportunity to go to either the gospel service or the Protestant service. And I say, uh, no thank you to both of them. Uh, but some people take the opportunity just to go, just to get away, just to clear their minds. But I don't want to worship in vain. You know? So uh, I waited to the opportunity to avail itself for me to go to worship service. And uh, my family came up there. They were a sight for sore eyes. You know? A breath of fresh air. And they, too, saw my struggles of trying to go to worship in the evening time. You know, they were able to go in the mornings while I was in class. But in the evening, I searched online and some churches or Building say that, you know what, we have church at 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. So I say, you know what, we're going to go to church at 5 p.m. No. Show up, and nobody's in the parking lot. No. Call the phone, nobody picks up the phone. You know? So the struggle was real, trying to find somewhere to worship out there. Amen. But um, I tell you what, it's a blessing to be back home. Amen. Where, where we don't have to worry about that, you know. If somebody calls a number that's listed online, somebody's going to pick up the phone. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's going to pick up the phone. And, uh, yeah, just thankful that I'm here. Thankful Amen. that I'm back. Amen. There's no place like home. And, and, it, and it may sound like a cliche, but that's true. Amen. There's no place like home. Uh, so I just want us to know that we're blessed. Right? Amen. We're blessed. And this morning... This is what we're going to talk about. Right? American Idol. Just want to make sure this is working. All right? American Idol. So what some things that come to mind with American Idol? I asked my wife that yesterday just to see where her mind was with this title. She said, uh, talk about being judged and being on the forefront of everybody. Everybody looking at you and you got to put on a show. I'm like... That's a good message right there. I like that. But that's not where I'm going. That's not where I'm going with it. But uh, just bear with me. I, like I always say, I won't be long. But I'm not going to cheat you anyways. Okay? I'm not going to cheat you. But just follow me. So what is an idol? An idol is anything that we value, prioritize, or seek after more than God. Right? Anything that we value, prioritize, or seek after more than God. It's the one thing that drives us, right? It's when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. You follow me? It's when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. And uh, sometimes idols are not innately dangerous in themselves, but when we make them idols, that's when they become dangerous, right? When we have idols, whatever it may be, 
We're trying to get them to fulfill a role or responsibility that God can only fulfill himself. Amen. Right? We're trying to get them to fulfill a need that only God can fulfill for us. So when we think of idols, some of the obvious idols that we think of are chemical abuse. Right? We know we shouldn't indulge in drugs or substance abuse like uh, alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, etc. But for some of us, it could be because we're trying to numb a certain pain. Right? We're trying to numb a certain pain, whether it be physical or mental. We're trying to forget certain traumas or, or catastrophic events in our lives and trying to reach a place of peace or maybe just even trying to escape the everyday trials and tribulations, right? So some of us may turn to chemical or substance abuse, right? Some of us may turn to sexual sin, right? Sometimes we find ourselves wanting to be loved, wanting to be held, wanting to be nurtured, wanting to feel that physical connection between human beings, right? Sometimes we find that in us being promiscuous. Sometimes we find it in pornography, just trying to fill a void that we think we're filling with sexual sin, but when the deed is done, we feel like we're still empty inside. Right? For some of us, our idol is power. Right? Some of us have an insatiable and incurable appetite or desire for control. Right? That's our idol for some of us. Right? We have to have control in every aspect of life. The power or us being in control, that's what drives some of us. Right? Then for some of us, this is it. Status. You know? Status. We're not satisfied unless we have some sort of status for other people to look up to. Right? We're not satisfied unless people can look up to us. We want to be on top, not to help others up, but to look down on others. Right? You follow me? We have to always feel like we got it going on. You know? And that's essentially to appease others. Right? Status for some of us is very important. It's the most important uh, aspect of our lives. But for some, it's money. For some of us, it's money. This is what drives us to do what we do. Day in and day out, we will forsake the assembly to make some money. You know? We will be selfish with it and hoard it. We feel bad when we don't have it, but we feel good. We feel amazing when we do have it. Right? Shouldn't that be like our relationship with God? We feel bad when we don't have them, and we feel good when we do, but we replace that God for money. Right? Now, some of us would do some strange things for money. Some of us will resort to selling illegal drugs or substances. Some of us would even resort to selling our bodies. But some of us would even go a step further and even sell our souls to make some money, you know, just to have it, just to add to that status, just to add to that power. And it could even tie into the sexual sin and substance abuse, you know. But idols is what we're talking about here this morning. One passage I want us to look at. is this right here, 1 Kings. I want us to look at 1 Kings chapter 18. 
verses 25 and 39. It says, Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire on it. And this is Elijah talking to over 400 people, right, who called on Baal. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even to noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon, Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud. Now he's playing. You know, now he's making, making a joke out of him. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey. Or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awake. So they got to go to sleep. Eyes don't, right? So they cried aloud and cut themselves as it was their custom, with knives and lances, until blood gushed out on them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of tribes and the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and said, correction, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And he put the wood on the, in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. So he tell him, put water on it. Put water on it. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. You know, stuff don't burn when it's wet, right? <laughs> but watch this. So they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the end of the time, at the time of the offering, of the even sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Idol worship, right? Mm -hmm. They worshiping the idols of, of Baal. But Elijah told them, or showed them, rather, that that is an idol God. Elijah challenged the people to take a stand, right? To follow whoever was the true God. So why did so many people waver between those two choices? We do the same thing. We yeah. waver between yeah. the one true God and many other choices that we can use as idols, yeah. right? They knew the Lord was God, but they enjoyed the sinful pleasures and other benefits that came with following Ahab and his idolatrous worship. Yeah. It's important that we take a stand for the Lord 
if we drift along with whatever's pleasant and easy, we will someday discover that we have been worshiping a false god ourselves. Amen. All right? In the text, we read how the prophet of Baal raved all afternoon, and yet no one answered them. Obviously, the God was silent because he was not real. The gods we may be tempted to follow ourselves here at present day are not idols of wood or stone, but they are just as false and dangerous because they cause us to depend on something other than God. Power, status, appearance, or material possessions can become our God if we devote our lives to him. If we devote our lives to these things, they will be our God. But when we reach times of crisis, trials, tribulations, and desperately call out on these gods that we've made idols, right? There will only be silence, just as these people and kings. They can offer no true guidance. They can offer no real answers. They can offer no true wisdom because they're idols. Mm-hmm. Another passage, we're all familiar with Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? Amen. says, but a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Mm-hmm. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it. So she knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Mm-hmm. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own control? It, it, it was not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men rose up and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. She said, yes, (coughs) for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. So we've heard the story before, right? We're often reminded of the seriousness about being truthful to God and his people, right? For some of us, our idol is our spouse. Right? Our idol is our spouse. We stick by our spouses closer than we stick by God. Right? But we'll go to in more depth later on about spouses. Right? So one more passage I want us to take a look at. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 13 through 15. It says, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oath." In his name, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord, your God, is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord, your God, be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. So in Deuteronomy, Moses was warning the people to not forget God when they entered the promised land Mm -hmm. and became prosperous. Right. Always keep God in the forefront. Amen. Prosperity, more than poverty, 
will dull our spiritual vision. Listen to me. Prosperity more than poverty will dull our spiritual vision. And it tends to make us more self-sufficient, right? It tends to make us more self-sufficient and more eager to acquire more of everything except God, right? The same thing can happen in our church. Once we become successful in terms of numbers, once we become successful in terms of programs, once we become successful in terms of buildings and acquiring more property, we can easily become self-sufficient and less sensitive to our need for God. Right? And this leads us to concentrate on self-preservation rather than thankfulness and service to God. Right? So I preface all of this. So now we're going to get into what are some of our idols today. Right? So here's a list of idols that in and of themselves, they're not bad. Right? But we have a tendency to make these things our idol. Right? And uh, as I always say, I, I'm not only talking and preaching to you all, I, it's, it's for me too. You know? So you got some band-aids, I got mine. You know? It's cutting me up too. Number one, career. Right? Our career. For some of us, our career is our idol. When we solely focus on climbing this corporate ladder, right? We constantly find ourselves chasing after promotions, right? We allow it to be an excuse for us to miss the Lord's day, right? We allow it to be an excuse for us to not worship at all, you know? We don't even reach out to brothers at church to come to our houses or to make it, uh, make a point to us for us to worship, you know? We've done it before in the past for those who actually wanted to worship. If the desire is there, trust and believe the work is here, you know. We will go to your house. We can come to wherever you are to meet you where you are to give you what you need in order to, uh, for you to worship on the Lord's day, right? For some of us, our career is our life, and we find our identities within our careers. For some of us, it's our 401k. Mm, yeah. For some of us, our idol is our 401k. Our 401k is our idol when this is all we think about, right? We constantly think about. We already have it mapped out or, or, or planned out, and we already know how much we need to contribute and how much time so that we can retire by a certain date at a certain age, right? We already know how aggressive or not we need to invest, right? We know that our 401k is connected with the stock market, right? So we can have some type of control over how aggressive or not we invest our 401k. If we wanted to be aggressive with the tech stock and all this stuff, or if we wanted to be a little, ba- a little passive with something that's more stable, stable, right? Our employer matches our 401k sometimes. We know that if we get a Roth IRA rate, the, the taxes is taken out, before and when we get old enough to draw it out, we taking out everything that we put in there, mm-hmm. you know. So we have all of this knowledge and, and stuff. We know about this 401k, but do we have the same knowledge and care and concern about God's word? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we even more diligent about studying and obeying God's word? 
For some of us, fitness is our idol, right? This is what consumes us. This is where we find our perfect peace, as some may say. I find my perfect peace whenever I'm engaging in weighted therapy, you know? Our idol is fitness when we dedicate so much time and effort to getting up early in the morning, going in the gym late at night, making time, not finding time, because it's easy to lose it, but making time to dedicate to this craft, right? Our physical bodies, we make time for it. And the thing is, if we miss a day or two, something just feels off, right? We've been in a routine of going to the gym and hitting the weights and getting on the treadmill or running or working out or whatnot. And when we get in the routine and now we don't do it for a couple of days, now something don't feel right, you know? I just need to get back in the gym to get my mojo. I, I, I'm not feeling good, you know, so I got to get back into that weighted therapy to get some stress off, you know. I got to get back in that weighted therapy to feel good about myself, you know. But we don't take that same care and consideration and dedication to God's word, right? right? We are more focused on lifting heavy weights and burning calories than studying God's word. We become fixated on our physical health our physical wellness while neglecting our spiritual well-being, right. right? Are we just as committed to the gym as we are about this right here, right? right. A lot of us in the gym take pictures, right? <laughs> we don't work out that much, but put it on social media, it looks like we do, mm-hmm. you know? You know, you got hashtag gym life right here. Hashtag swole life right here. Then for some of us, turn to the side, get them angles, right? Hashtag what waste, you know? And then you got, maybe your right side is your best side. And then you got hashtag waste where, you know? So you have all these hashtags and you're doing it for the likes and for the approval of others. But you are nowhere near as committed to studying God's word. Right. You know, where's your pictures of hashtag studying God's word today? Mm-hmm. You know, hashtag got my reading on today. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we, we, we put effort and care and concern to what we want. Yeah. But when it comes to truth of it, does it really matter at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. You know, does it really matter? Are we committed to studying and obeying God's word just as we committed to getting up early and staying in the gym late? You know, we make time to do that, but we don't make time to get up early to come to church on Sundays. We don't make time to stay up late on Wednesday evenings. We don't make time to stay up late throughout the week to hear a 15 minute encouraging message throughout the week. Right. Hold your horses. For some of us, our idols are our kids. Right. For some of us. It's our kids. Our kids become our idol. They're, they're, they're all we think about. You know, I wanted kids, and now I got kids, and now this is all I care about. You know, so we enroll them in sports. Right? We enroll them in extracurricular activities like gymnastics or cheerleading or, or something else after school. Right? Those things become more important than serving God. You know? We'll make time to 
run to the football game after church. You know, even though we got another service, we're going to ditch first service or maybe not even go to church at all. And then we're just going to go to the football game on, on oh. Sunday afternoon, Sunday oh. mornings, right, to support our kids. We're going to forsake the assembly when it comes to Bible study during the week because our kids got practice, whether it be basketball practice, track practice, or whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? We put these things ahead of God, and yet what we're teaching our kid or kids is that it's okay. You don't have to be as dedicated to God. When you get older, then that's when you can dedicate your life to God. But right now, you're in your youth, so I'm trying to live vicariously through you. you know? right. I didn't make it as a little tiny type. You know? So now I'm trying to live vicariously through you. You're going to go to the league one day, and I'm going to ride your coattails all the way down. You know, you're going to go to the league one day. So I want you to focus on being the best you can in, in high school football sports. I want you to go to college, get you a scholarship, and I want you to go to the draft, you know. And I'm going to be right there to support you every step of the way, you know. How dedicated are we to teach our kids that God comes first, you know. I guarantee you that that will stick with them longer than them potentially playing a sport, right. That's going to stick with them longer than playing a sport. But... Ball is life now, right? Mm. Ball is life. And we practice playing sports more than we practice studying God's word. Right. right? Yeah. Mm. I told you. For some of us, it's sports. For some of us, our idol is simply sports. Not our kids, but sports. We know more stats about who's going to the league, where they came from, what high school, what college they went to, what's their name, what's their number, what position they playing for. We know their salaries, but we don't know anything about the apostles in the Bible. We don't know anything about the prophets in the Bible. We don't know anything about the Old Testament or the New Testament, how they correlated, what it's even about. You know what I'm saying? We know more about sports than we do about God's word. Right? Once again, ball is life. We watch we watch CNN all day, all day. There's no sin in CNN. However, if that's all you do, you don't make no time for God's word, then that's your idol. You know? that's, right. that's what you're putting all your heart, all your energy, all your time and effort into. Yeah. You, know? you have made sports your idol. Yeah. Right? And I told you, we're going to come back to this one. Your spouse. We idolize our spouses sometimes. For some of us, we feel like our spouses can do no wrong. We are essentially blinded from seeing straight. And uh, remember Ananias and Sapphira, right? We lie together, we die together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Some people take that to heart. Yeah. I'm going to ride with mine. I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Wilkos, but it's a meme that goes around. That's mine. Just look at it. That's mine. That's my man. You know, as bad as he may be, that's mine, you know. We, 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 we idolize our spouses. We put them on a pedestal, right? We put them on a pedestal and try to get them to fulfill a need that only God can fulfill. Amen. We try to get our spouses to fulfill a need that only God can fulfill. And I guarantee you this, those are impossible shoes to fill. Amen. Absolutely impossible. So at the end of the day, you're, you're only setting yourselves up for you to get your feelings hurt later on down the line. Amen. So you, you, you're trying to get your spouse to fulfill a role that only God can fulfill. Right now. That's not their responsibility. Yeah. Right? You, you, you're giving your spouse the duty to, to make you happy. 
right? You've given your spouse the duty to provide you with joy. You've given your spouse the duty to be that ultimate source of strength, that ultimate source of assurance, etc. You know, you've given your, your spouse all of these responsibilities that's supposed to be on God, but yet you put them on a mere mortal man or a woman. And just like men and women, people, we're, we're, we're fallible, right? We're not perfect. So the moment you are disappointed after you put your spouse on this high pedestal, right, this mile high pedestal, now your feelings are hurt. Now your feelings are hurt because they didn't fulfill a responsibility that they can't feel. It's not that they want that. They cannot feel that responsibility for you. Right. So they were never supposed to fulfill that responsibility in the first place. And so now you don't see them the same way. They are no longer on this pedestal that you've put them on. You know, you've given them the impossible task to fulfill God's role in your life. And now they fail miserably. And now we're hurt. Right. And now we're hurt. And this is one that I think most people can relate to is certainty. Certainty is an idol for a lot of us. Right? We have to know what's going to happen next. We have to know what's going to happen next. If we cannot figure out what's going to happen next, it's an issue. You know, I, I have a problem with not knowing what's going to happen next, not when it's going to happen, but exactly what's going to happen next. You know, I have an issue with that. And case in point, COVID. Right. For the last year and a half, COVID has put a dent for a lot of us in certainty. Mm -hmm. Right. It's put a dent in our sense of certainty. And one minute we're told to wear a mask. The next minute you're told to be six feet apart. The next minute you're told to be three feet apart. The next minute you're told to get a vaccine. The next minute you're told to put back your mask on. You know, then the next minute you're told you can still catch COVID and be sick with the vaccine and a mask on. You know what I'm saying? So your sense of certainty has got a dent in it. You know what I mean? This has a dent in it. So as a result, anxiety now is at an all-time high. Anxiety is at an all-time high. And simply put, anxiety is just a fear of the past or a fear of the future. Right? It's not knowing what's going to happen next. That's the issue. Not knowing what's going to happen next or not being in control of what happens next. Right? We don't have any control over what happens next. So now I have this fear that mm, I just don't know. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm going to stay away from worshiping in person. You know? I'd rather look at it on Facebook or uh, YouTube Live or uh, Zoom. You know? You can't have faith and certainty at the same time, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? The evidence of things not seen. With faith, we trust God. With certainty, we say we don't need God because we already know, right? With certainty, we say we don't need God because we already know. But with faith, we're saying we trust God. Now, idolatry will always, listen to me, idolatry will always bring pain or destruction, right? In some way, shape, form, or fashion, you putting any of these things or whatever your thing may be 
before God will bring you pain or destruction. Amen. You're going to get your feelings hurt. You're going to be in a world of hurt physically. You're going to be in a world of hurt mentally because you put things or people before God. Amen. Right. So in essence, we're trying to fit a square block in a round hole. Right. And you see you see it with, 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 with toddlers. They try to fit it into the hole. They get frustrated. You know what I mean? They get mad. We're doing the same thing. We're 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 looking to these things for roles that only God can fulfill. And we get angry or get upset when they don't fulfill those things. Right. So we seeking after things that only God can give us. It's not going to work. The sooner we realize this, that's going to be the sooner that we spare ourselves that headache, spare ourselves that heartache, you know. The Ten Commandments. We're all familiar with it, right? What is the first commandment? Let me tell you. We shall not have no other God before him. Right? The first commandment shall have no other God before him. But yet, we do this all day, every day, sometimes twice on Sunday. Right? Literally. So we put a lot of things before God. But do we believe that? Do we believe that we should have no other God before him? And other God being little g. No other God before him. God has demonstrated his love for us. Even when we were yet sinners, he gave his son to be that ultimate sin-saving sacrifice. He gave his son. His love for us is not conditional. We do not have to do anything to deserve his love, right? right? We do not do anything so grand that we deserve a sacrifice such as him giving his son for us, That's right. right? But he did it anyways. He did it anyways. So what, have, what extent have you gone to to demonstrate your love for God? Right now. You know? What extent have you gone to? For some of us, it's no extent at all because we replaced him with these things or something else. For some, we profess our love. For some, we obey his word. Excellent to you. you know? Have you studied his word? Have you obeyed his word after you studied it? Have you relied completely, exclusively on him to fulfill all of your needs? Or have you given that task and responsibility to something else or someone else. You know, have we replaced God, big G, with some other God, little g, in our lives? Yeah. Something to think about, right? Amen. Now, the idols that we face today, like I said, this list in itself, there's nothing wrong with it. It, it. None of these things on here are sins, Essentially, right? But the sin comes when we replace these things ahead of God. When we look to these things to fulfill roles and responsibilities that only God can do. Yeah. Right? We're looking to Him through these things, right? We think that we're going to get everything we need out of life just by focusing on that stuff. Mm -hmm. We think we can figure it out for ourselves. Mm. You know? I don't care how many degrees you get. I don't care how many uh, days you, you, you study at a college. I don't care how much you study online. 
I don't care how much you do a deep dive on YouTube University. Mm. You will never know what lies ahead, right? So tomorrow, we don't know what holds in tomorrow, right? That's right. It, it, it's, it's not for us to worry about. So what we can focus on is right here, right now. Amen. Can we make that mental shift that we need to to replace God and put him back in his proper place in our lives? Can we think about these things not being a source of our strength, but merely a resource? Right? This is not the source of our abilities. Right? God is. But when we think about it, we replace him oftentimes with intangible objects, stuff that you can't touch. We replace him with objects oftentimes that you can touch, you know, simply because I can see that. I can see this person, you know. But when we put our faith in men, when we put our faith in things that man has created, we leave ourselves open to be hurt. We leave ourselves open to be disappointed because it's going to fall and fail every single time because nothing or no one can live up to God. Amen. Right? Nothing or no one can replace God in your life. Amen. So why not give him his role and responsibility back and you just trust and obey? Amen. It's simple as that. Trust and obey. Amen. But for some of us, our faith is not where it should be. That's right. right? Our faith is not where it should be. And that's an issue that could be worked on. You know, it, it's not the end all be all. Your, your faith can grow. It's like a muscle. You don't work it out. It's going to be atrophy. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be weak. So if you don't work on your faith, you don't give God an opportunity to come through in your life. You're always relying on yourself. How will you ever trust him? Amen. Right? If you always try to have things figured out, how are you ever going to trust God? Right? Now, I'm not saying be careless and be like, well, I'm just not going to eat today because God will provide, you know, so <laughs> my stomach just going to be magically filled with manna. No, let's be let, let, let's 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 use some common sense. Man. You know, let's use some common sense. But trust and believe God will provide. Amen. And it's not always in the way that you think it's going to happen. Amen. Oftentimes it doesn't happen the way that you think. And if, I know if I look back on my life and looked at situations and, and whatnot, there's no way that I could have figured it out to happen that way, Amen. right? But it's above me, right? Yeah. God figured it out. He navigated my, my path, and I trusted him, and I ended up where I needed to be, you know? Yeah. But also looking back, I know if I would have put my hand in it anywhere, I would have messed all of that up, yeah. you know? I would have messed it up because I think I know what's best for myself. I can see a few feet in front of me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's 12, 11 right now. I don't know what's going to happen at 12, 13, Amen. but God does. You know? And something so simple as that, we're like, wow, that's not much. But it is much when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Amen. It is a whole lot. So God sent his son to be that gateway between him and us, right? For our sins. We sin, we separate ourselves from him. But this is what I want us to do focus on this right we see this every sunday every single sunday the steps of salvation we see this we hear about it we know about it cool how many of us actually believe it though you know how many of us actually believe it you know the bible teaches that we must hear right in romans ten seventeen, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by what 
the word of God, right? And then you take a step up that ladder and you go to believe. Right? And in John 3.16, we learned that what? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So you're going to have that everlasting life. Yeah. You're going to have that life fulfilled. If you're looking for it, it's through him and his son, Jesus. Right? And then we take another step up that ladder, <clears throat> repentance. In Acts 17.30, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked. Right? Yeah. But now commands all men everywhere to do what? Repent. repent. Yes, sir. You must repent. And after you repent, you, you repent, you take another step up that ladder, and do you confess? Right? Romans 10, 9, 10 and 9, we read that you must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Amen. Right? Then you take another step up that ladder. Be baptized. Right? In Acts 2.38, we read that Peter said to them, repent every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. And then after we do that, the job is not done. Right? We must live faithfully. Right? In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies in what? Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So there's an order to this thing. But if you follow the correct steps, you can call on Jesus too. Right? I want us to realize and understand that Jesus, he is enough. God is enough. Amen. We don't have to replace him with anything. Amen. There's nothing that we can find on this here earth that we can replace God or Jesus with. And they're going to live up to the same expectations. Amen. If we give them the same expectations, i.e. put things or people on pedestals, we're going to be let down every single time. Amen. We must trust him for all of our needs and not needlessly be disappointed by idols or people that we placed on these pedestals. Amen? Amen. So take this with you this week to think about. Evaluate your lives and and think about what are some things that I have replaced God with in my life? Is there anything that I've replaced God with? Am I more reliant upon my job? Am I more reliant upon money? Am I more reliant upon my 401k? Or is my whole heart in my kids? Or get all of them, it's my spouse. You know? Did I put all of my heart and my effort in, sp- in, my, in my spouse and I'm trusting them to be my God in my life? You know? Am I putting the same expectations I have for God on these people or intangible things? Just something for us to think about. So I want to thank you all for your attention. Thank you for your participation. And please stand for a word of prayer and song. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what?